My name is Mitch. I'm the campus pastor at our Westside campus, and uh, Adam thought it would be great this morning to uh, do a switcheroo. So I'm here, and he's over there, and uh, this is really fun for me to be back here at the church, the church that I came out of, to, uh, to speak with you this morning and bring a message. We're both preaching the same scripture this morning. Sherry shared the scripture with us. Um, Mark, uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, the words of Jesus in a parable. And, and this morning, Jesus was teaching from a boat. He'd pushed off in the lake. There was a large crowd of people that had gathered around, and they'd pushed off from the shore. And he was able, because of the acoustics of the setting and the geography of the area, he was able to project his voice across the water to a large crowd of people. This crowd of people that he broadcast to was, was his most faithful followers, his disciples, and then a large gathering, and then folks that just showed up because there was a crowd. So if you find yourself in one of these camps this morning, the, the faithful follower or the, the eager but hesitant observer who's, who's approaching a faith in Christ, or those that just don't even know um, how you ended up here, but you found yourself in this place of worship this morning. We're in luck because Jesus has a word, a word for us, the words of Jesus shared for us in this parable. Our passage, it's a story about faith and persistence and perseverance. Jesus tells the crowd a story about seeds. And anybody who's tried knows that growing something from a seed is taking a risk. It's taking a chance. There's failure on the line. Do we have any farmers in here? Any prolific gardeners? Any herb gardeners? Shout out to Martha Stewart for herbs. Um, anybody, anybody grow anything from seed? If you've, if you've seen a, if anybody seen a lettuce seed or a, or a basil seed, they're tiny. Or, or a mint seed. A mint seed is tiny. It's expensive. So expensive. And it's so hard to get to grow. At least for me, you're gonna, everybody's going to tell me afterwards that mint just takes over. And it does. Once you get it started, it can be very, very prolific. So I hear it might be a myth. And it can take over an entire garden. And mint's great. They make gum that tastes like mint. They make essential oils out of mint. People rub mint oil on their feet. We love the smell of it. We want to smell like it. Mint's great. And it's hard to grow. You know what else is hard to grow? And not like mint? Beets. Nobody wants to smell like beets. No one has beet-flavored gum. No, no one, we don't have beet air fresheners, but beets are still hard to grow. And it's a tiny seed, and it's a funny shape. It's a real funny shape, and it kind of gets lost and tumbles and blows in the wind, and it has to be, it has to be planted in loose soil. Um, and it has to be able to be able to have loose soil and, and to grow and put its roots in, and it's hard to get started. I like, I like beets. Just, I'm not, a, I'm not a hater on beets. I like to juice them in my Jack LaLanne power juicer with a half, a half a cucumber and an apple. And it makes this real nice, I'm the only one that drinks it. But it's good. It's good. I'm telling you, if, if you take nothing away, drink some beet juice. It's good and good for you. Um, but they're a pain to sow and they blow in the wind and they're loose and they're hard to grow. And I always fail at growing, growing beets. And it's defeating when we fail at something that we try at, at. And it seems as though it should be easy, but it's not. And it's understandable that we get discouraged in life when we feel like we're failing. Maybe you've had a failed relationship. Maybe you're, you've gone through a divorce. Why would you want to sign up for that again? Maybe, maybe you've tried to connect at church, this church or another church, and maybe your church, you're trying to find a place and a place to fit in, and sometimes it feels like you're 
trying to get connected and you're dealing with Verizon or the cable company and you're just trying to, you're just trying to get connected. And something we don't talk about enough is, is infertility, the struggle people have with, um, with bearing children sometimes. It's personal and it's expensive and it's disheartening. And struggles of this life are real and that's why, that's why we love stories of perseverance when success is realized. We got any Rocky fans in here? I got a picture. No, I don't. I didn't put that picture in. So, um, do you got any Rocky fans? Anybody, anybody love Rocky? Thank you. Thank you. I, lo- I love Rocky. And I love the story behind Rocky. Not only is Rocky a story of persistence and perseverance, and he just, he just says dumb luck. He gets the chance to contend, and he trains and doesn't think he can do it and overcomes. And even at the end, he doesn't, he doesn't completely overcome, become the champion of the world. He loses by decision, if you know the me- movie. But, but the perseverance of him running through, running through the streets of Philadelphia, like stumbling up the stairs at the beginning, and then at the end, he's hurtling benches and jumping up and down on top, and it's awesome. And we love those stories of perseverance. And I even love the story behind Rocky just as much. Sylvester Stallone, I think the story goes, was living on his brother's couch, writing Rocky, didn't have a job, couldn't get hired, couldn't sell a script before Rocky became a big hit. And we all, everybody in here knows who Sylvester Stallone is now. So anyway, we got Jesus in a boat and he's pushed off and he's telling a story to a crowd. And regardless of their religious belief, they were agrarian. They knew a thing or two about growing food from seeds. They knew the highest yield came from the best soil. They knew rocks didn't grow food. They knew thorn bushes were bad and birds ate their seed. So let's hear from Jesus one more time, as recorded in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat it out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was, oh, <laughs> because the soil, <laughs> That was, a bad, that was a bad place to have a technology fail. Because the, te- uh, because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plant was scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, grew, produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let them hear. That is an odd way to end a story, at least I think. Essentially, whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is saying, the implication is, you can have ears, but you may still be deaf to the voice of God. Jesus preaches this story to a large crowd, and then he go, we get a rare glimpse. Jesus goes and sits down with his 12, and they ask questions to him about what this parable means. We'll pick up verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and others around asked him about the parables. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Come on, guys. How then will you understand any parable? Ah. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word, what was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. 
Still others, like seed among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire of other things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This is like the director's cut. We get to hear from Jesus himself breaking down that parable. We get to hear the meaning from Jesus. And typically, we hear this story and we think of it from the perspective of asking the question, what type of soil are you? What type of soil are you? When Jesus is speaking to the crowd, he's explaining that not everyone that would hear this word would become devoted to him. See, not all seeds are going to take. If you're here today with us, and you're new to Christianity or you're exploring faith in Christ, he's asking you to consider what kind of soil are you? What kind of soil are you? Are you in a place where you can grow and bear fruit? Are you good soil? But, but when he pulls the, when he pulls the disciples aside, the 12, and they're asking him about this parable, those that believe in him, those that believe him as the son of God, he ain't talking to dirt. He's talking to farmers says, the farmers sow the word. From a farmer's perspective, the point of the story isn't what soil are you? The point is just keep sowing. We shout out to Dory swimming. Anybody know this? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. He's saying just keep sowing. Think about the image of the farmer throwing seed all over the place. In the first century, broadcasting was the method of sowing seed. You're just throwing seed all over yourself. Yes, the soil was prepared, and then you scattered the seed. This is an image to me of the indiscriminate nature of God's love. It's for everyone. He's chucking it out there. We are the farmers. David Smith wrote a commentary on this parable, and he said the sower did his work with reckless abandon. As he scattered, he was, wasn't scared of wasting good seed on bad soil. The broadcast method was the farming option. The ground was plowed and the seed was cast liberally. Every farmer knew the risk. Some seed would germinate, grow into a healthy harvest, while other seeds would be lost in any number of reasons. Nevertheless, the sower was not afraid to sow profusely. And here's the part I love what David Smith said. Thus, Jesus anticipated repeated failure in some degree, even in his own ministry. It's easy to be scared that we'll waste good seed on bad soil. It won't take. We can be afraid of failure and go into scarcity mode. Yes, some of the seed will fall on the path. Birds will come. It will get choked by thorns. But the seed that takes produces an exceptional crop. See, abundance comes comes from sowing, not from conserving. The Bible uses this imagery all the time, uh, several times. Remember uh, 2 Corinthians, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And that's been the ch history of this church, a place faithfully sown, faithfully sown by seeds. 1859, this church started. Got a building downtown in 1864 where you can still enjoy a nice charcuterie board at the cellar and loft right? Who's done that? That's fantastic. And that was a building built by the faithful followers of Christ that started in this community. And then in the 90s, it grew so large that they couldn't even fit in that building. And they planned this place. 
and faithfully said, what if we sown seeds in a place not to, not to meet the exact preferences we've built here before in this building that served us so well, but built for those that are coming. And abundance came. They had the foresight to create a place right here. And then they added on to it. And as that grew, folks said, what about, what could it look like if we made room for all the folks God is bringing to this community? We were running out of room in the sanctuary, so, so we went down the hall and started a worship service down there. Well, one was happening in here. And that was the group that launched Westside in November 19, 18, almost a year ago now. In the terms of Jesus' parable and story, Westside sprang up. It sprang up quickly, but I'm so grateful that it has 150-year-old roots, so it's not getting scorched while it springs up. This is the story of a church that wasn't afraid to risk sowing generously, and God has given us an amazing harvest. There's folks coming, folks coming to our church, coming back to faith, folks being baptized, People willing to come early to early morning to set up and folks staying late to put it all back away. God has given a harvest, not just at Westside, but right here, right here in this space. We wanted to make room for folks, new folks at Westside and in here. The seats left by that launch team that left here, left 92 campus, were filled. We've had 10% growth this year over, over where we were a year ago in this space right here. That's what scattered seeds look like, and that's what a harvest looks like. All the experts will tell you when you get to 80% capacity in worship, you'll need to expand. It's like a restaurant. It's like the old cellar and loft. It's whenever you pull up somewhere on a Friday night and the parking lot's empty, you get a little worried. And when you go in and no one's there, you might get a little worried. But when you've also at the same time, when you pull up and there's a line coming out the door and it's a two-hour wait to get a table, you might not want to stick around for that any more than you would if there was no one there. It's the same principle. So, of course, you know, if a new person walks in, it's preferred that they are here with you as an invitation with you and they know they have a place to sit. But... So they know, because they know you brought them. But there's also a temptation for us to keep things small and preserve our preferences and the way we like them. But we have to remember it's not for us, it's for them. It's for the ones that aren't here yet. See, our family moved to Kearney eight years ago, and we attended traditional service. Uh, the 1045, that was familiar to us. We, we loved the choir, and that was, we sat right back there in the back, and we had little babies with us. They're here today, but they're a little bigger than they were then. And we sat right back there, and we sat right in front of Lou Marchbank, and Lou, Lou invited me um, onto the missions team to help with the project. She saw something in me that I could help with and she knew very little about me and she knew she had faith in me to help with a project that they need to help with. She invited me onto the missions team. Debbie and George practically adopted me and have been missional ever since. And I was thinking about that just this morning as I'm reviewing, reviewing this message, waiting to hook on to our trailer out here in the parking lot to take it over to Westside. And I'm sitting in my truck right next to the Garden of Eden where Sue, or Lou Marchbank has sown seeds faithfully year after year after year after year. And I think I'm up here because Lou sowed some seed here to get me to grow and stretch in my faith and become more missional. I thought, that's, 
kind of poetic. I like that. So I thought I'd share that with you this morning. And then we took the call, my family took the call to join that missional group that went down the hall to start something new, something missional. And from that, we took the call to become leader over at Westside. Those seeds you sowed. Do you know how many people this church serves in this community with contemporary worship on a Sunday morning? That's over 300 people. That's more people than can fit in this space we serve with contemporary worship. See, Jesus taught this parable to a huge crowd. But they weren't all Christians. That term didn't even exist. He then clarified it to his disciples, his few, his followers, some of whom they would see him crucified, die, bury, and be born again, risen from the dead, the Messiah. And then he sent them out to make disciples of all people. That's me. That's you. That's us who believe in Jesus as our Savior. We are the farmers. God owns the land and the seed, the word. He's asking us to go broadcast it, to spread it generously. Shower this community with patience and kindness and peace and love and hope and respect. It's not us, up to us to decide if someone's ready for the gospel. Someone's ready to be baptized, ready to attend church or come to a Bible study or a small group. Will every invite result in victory for Jesus? No. Even Jesus knew that not every invitation would result in a win. Remember that rich young ruler? Didn't he go away despondent? That was an invite from Jesus himself. But he kept sowing. He kept sowing mercy and grace and love and acceptance. And God wants us to act like Jesus and sow that patience and kindness, that mercy Gentleness for every human. There's over 7 billion people on this planet and they all need love. Christ-like love. And that sounds a little overwhelming, but what if we started here? What if we started in Kearney? What if the faithful from our church, the faithful from our history have already started that before us? What if we're already in that mission? What if this community is primed for revival and God is wanting us to participate? The question for us is how can we keep sowing? See, a year ago, you all sowed a launch group of 50 persons into a school gymnasium. And that seed is multiplied and it's ready to be sown again. Here's the concept. We're going to squeeze in two services at Dogwood to make more room for new people coming back. This is an amazing opportunity for this community. For people to share in this community, for folks to find new life in Christ. It will open up new opportunities for children's volunteers to serve and worship and hear the message. It will allow us to take on a part-time children's ministry. It will allow us to keep sowing generously and participating in God's harvest. Now, there's a lot of details to work out. And there's more folks to recruit for that mission. But there's more generosity to fuel that ministry. See, we get abundance by sowing, not by conserving. God has given us all seeds to sow. Seeds of hope, seeds of joy, Forgiveness, respect, kindness. See, all those magic words Pastor Adam has shared with us over the, past, over the past month of sermon messages. We don't have to all proclaim the gospel and spread it. We have to live it. We just have to act like Jesus. We have to sow those seeds we've been given. You know who's going to respond to your invitation to come join you at church? 
Someone who you're kind to, someone who sees you as kind, someone who sees you as gentle and patient, sees joy flowing out of you, sees compassion and forgiveness. See, we're lucky. We don't all, we don't all have to preach the gospel. We got a guy for that. He's here every week. We just have to be invitational and ask folks to come and join us. So let's join Jesus in a mission of spreading the word of God right here in Kearney and just keep sowing. Amen? You see, every year my father-in-law grows a massive garden. He's a prolific gardener. And every year he buys seed in bulk and he has more seed than he can plant. And every year by providence, I acquire these surplus seeds of my father-in-law. And every year the surplus contains beet seeds. (laughs) And every year I plant them. And every year they fail. My beets don't grow. But this year... God grew beets. There's a picture of this. I know there is. Look at that. God grew beets. The weather was good. The environment was good. The soil was right. And the beets grew. Friends, I sow beets because I've been given beet seeds. You know what other seeds I've been given? Love, patience, kindness, gentleness, peace, mercy, forgiveness. Jesus has died so that I may have life. He gives me those seeds. He didn't give them to me for to hold on to, but for me to sow. And for being honest this morning, I may have been a pretty lazy farmer. But today, I'm going to choose to do more sowing, to do more inviting. This morning, I pray that if you are soil, you are prepared and find your heart ready to receive good seed. And I pray if you are a farmer, do you sow indiscriminately in this community? You pray with me. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to gather together with soil and with farmers. May we hear your word. May it be written on our heart. May our hearts be prepared as good soil for your word to germinate and grow and produce fruit within us. May we multiply and be fruitful and sow what you have given us abundantly in this community. Sow your gifts, your seed. Sow what you have given us put forth into this community to produce more fruit. Lord, you bless the word that you sow and your indiscriminate nature allows us to sow it as indiscriminately as you and not to worry about the state of the soil we're sowing on, but to just keep sowing. Lord, give us strength to just keep sowing. Amen.